So as you also open your new gym, could we make the promise to the listeners, kind of like we did with the challenge <laughs> for the opening on February 1st in Elkhart, Indiana, anyone who wants to come, Croiler will pay to fly you out here no. and stay <laughs> and stay i'm not doing that okay yeah i'll work on him i'll talk to him a little bit but yeah i think it'd be really a nice gesture if you could just have people fly people out they could come they stay for no i'm not doing that <laughs> but they want to show you support so you don't want to that's okay look cool. if they show all up, right so it's on right no if they show up they're giving me support and they're getting knowledge back i think it's a fair exchange and then do you want them to give you the receipt for their Airfare? No. You're not going to get this. <laughs> okay, so... <sighs> could it be like a tax write-off where you're just... It, it could be, but it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen. Just fly out and Croiler will help. Well, you figure... Just come to the grand opening and you'll figure out the, the billing with, with Croiler. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, you won't figure any billing with me. <laughs> I, I want your grand opening to be fantastic, but I also want to see you for a chunk of the time next to the door with like a bunch of strangers with paper that they're like handing to you and like this is this it'll is be right next to the bed on fire outside <laughs> the building <laughs> here we go Episode 49. I'm Andrew Desimone here with Crowley Gracie. Oh, could you do it in a in a voice, like an animated voice? No. Just a voice where you're kind of a little exaggerated. You're Croiler Gracie. That was good. Thanks. I appreciate you for trying. For once, you actually did a voice with me. No. <laughs> Alright, this is the Just Jiu Jitsu Podcast. And we are on, like I said, episode 49. This episode is inspired by a listener email. It came from Amanda. Uh, She sent this email in saying she's a 120 to 125 pound new purple belt. And she's in the Boston area. She said, most of the time I'm working from having someone in my guard. I rarely get on top. And even when I do, I feel less secure and and want them back in my guard slash open guard. Basically, when I'm on top, I feel like a piece of paper blowing around on my trainer, on my training partner. But when they are in my guard, I feel like I have more tools. Though I have great training partners, most are bigger than me. Should I focus on trying to get on top more or would it be more realistic to continue and focus on my bottom slash guard attacks? That's a, that's a really loaded question. Everything to you is a loaded question. Well, yeah, I mean, because... When you first started dating your wife and she said, do you love me? Did you respond? <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. No, I didn't, I didn't respond that way, no. <laughs> um, so, um, I, I can relate to Amanda. I am just slightly bigger than she is. I, I, I wonder where she trains at because I know a lot of people in Boston. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have several friends out there, so I, I, you know, I wonder if I know who she trains with. I, I'm not sure. To summarize her question, she says, I'm a small lady and my train partners are all bigger. I don't feel like I can do much on top or I'm not effective on top. I feel I'm more effective from the bottom. Should I focus on the bottom or should I focus on the top? Yeah, and... I I think the one the reason that I 
thought this would be a good one to just spend some time on just because it is one that I relate to and I see a lot of smaller people have these same questions and issues. Yeah, I have, I dealt with the same thing. When? I'm not kidding. Like the reason I'm good in the bottom is because I was always the big guy that had zero power. So every big guy I got paired up with shoved me on my ass and then I had to deal with being in the bottom. So you're a big guy. However, big guys are paired with people who are the same size and you hit guys who just were just powerful where I'm not. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll kind of let you in our club. <laughs> you can't be a full fledged member, but you can come to like one of the meetings every month. All right. Perfect. I yeah. probably won't go to the meetings, but okay. Okay, well, now you can't go to any of them again. You're, it's um, retracted. It's more because I don't have time. But anyways, um, I, so... Um, First of all, uh, you have been... You've been to Boston a little bit. I just... I'm, I'm just kind of walking through her email. Um, she's at New Purple Belt in the Boston area. Yeah. I've been to Boston quite a bit. Quite a bit. Now, it's a very historical place. There's a lot of old... The buildings and a very rich uh, history there. If you were a founding father, which founding father do you think you'd be? I don't know. Yeah, I think you do. Just kind of, <laughs> kind of <laughs> dig down. Which, when you no. think of them, like which one? <laughs> what a what an odd question to start the podcast. No, I think I think most people were listening to us talk and thought they were thinking well, that they were thinking, okay, yeah. when is he going to ask Groiler? I guess the better question is which founding father do you think I am. Do I think you are? I would say you are more of a... I'm going to give you... Don't let this go to your head. I'm going to say you're more of like a George Washington figure. Oh, am I? You are. It's not because you're this fearless leader with a ton of integrity, with wooden teeth. <laughs> I would just say that you, uh, you are like a George Washington because when he led our country, uh, he, he said, listen... I'm only going to do it for this limited period of time, and then I'm going to step down and show people that that's what a leader should do. He should not lead forever. And like you and I have discussed, and you've told me, you're like, I'm only going to lead my school for a couple more years, and then I want you to just take over. And Is that right? Yeah. And I, I was like, that? are you sure? And you're like, <laughs> I've seen so much potential in you. Wow. It scares me. And I'm very, I feel like in a couple of years you will surpass me. And when you first told me that, I, I was kind of taken aback. But then I thought, wow, that's really big of him. So wow. that's why I think you'd be kind of like a George Washington figure. <laughs> I, don't rec- I don't, I have no recollection of this conversation, but okay. Uh, the legal documents say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So y- you're not going to say, but anyway, sorry, we'll, we'll get back to, uh, to, to, to her email. Um, so I guess, I guess to answer her email, the, the correct answer is she should focus on growing out of her comfort zone so realistically speaking if your training partners are the same level as she is let's say they're also purple belts they're bigger than she is she is going to find herself naturally speaking more often in the in the bottom and having to deal with weight and their power and their strength which will will you know in a sense harden her and and make her a much tougher person to fight from an inferior position she'll be great down there she'll defend well she'll move well she knows how to create proper frames proper angles she'll be she'll get submissions she'll be that squirrely annoying person to to hold down and if you fall a step behind or you slack on it she'll find a submission 
And that is absolutely the true point of jiu-jitsu is to be able to fight off of inferior positions. Why is it that she'll just naturally end up on those bottom positions? Just, just due to size. Do you think that starting on your ass or knees is a big part of that because it reduces your ability to move? And I mean, if you're a small yeah, person? Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about a, a technique disparity. I'm talking about just size disparity, right? I mean, if you put two people that don't know anything the bigger person will usually end up on top. But what I'm saying is, when, if you start on your feet... Sure, mobility I, decreases, yes. And so, yeah, a lot of times you're just... I either sit down and let them come to me, or we lock up yeah. and I lose that battle yeah, every It time. may happen faster because she's starting on her butt or on her knees or however mm. she's starting, absolutely. But regardless of how she gets there, she'll end up there more often than she will end up on top. Right. And while that the true point of jiu-jitsu is being able to submit, survive, defend, adapt, and all this stuff from in inferior positions, that will happen for her no matter what. It sounds like it's already happened for her. She says she's more comfortable, she's got more options, more tools. But as it was told to me, because I was the same way, what a shitty way to fight. <laughs> And it sounds really harsh, and it's easy to take offense to that. But um, take a step back and really think about the statement. What a shitty way to fight. What if I told you, what if I told her, right? Let's say I'm talking directly to her, or to you, right? Yeah, because I'm right. kind of similar so to her. So if I said, hey, Andrew, you're going to find, you're going to fight a 350-pound version of yourself. Knows exactly the same things you do. You're going to win. I guarantee you're going to win this match. Okay, you're going to come out with a submission. But it's gonna be, it's gonna take you like 10 minutes to do it. And for those 10 minutes, nine and a half of those minutes, they're gonna be crushing the life out of you. And you're gonna be just surviving. But you're gonna win though, no worries. You're definitely gonna win. Like, great, I'm gonna win. But imagine if that's your daily life. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm glad I'm winning, but is, is that how? Do I have to win that, that way yeah, all the time? Yeah. Is this is this how I want to win? Is this all I'm destined to do? And that mentality at first creeps in because let's say she's tapping a lot. She becomes good in the bottom. She defends well in the bottom. She defends well from inferior position. She starts becoming successful from inferior positions, meaning she gets her submissions. Then it's, it's self-rewarding. If I stay down here, I know I can survive. It may not be fun, but I can survive. And maybe I can get a tap. And then that maybe tap becomes, I can definitely tap. And I can tap them multiple times. And it becomes this very powerful, which again, it's better that she's good in an inferior position than in a dominant position, but um, it's self-rewarding behavior to stay in an inferior position because you're more successful than in a good position. That's a huge part of it. That's, that's where my mental place ends up a lot because I'll think, if I, if I can, if I'm good in this spot, then I like, I don't ever have to be afraid of like what could happen. And right. so I keep telling myself that. And that basically means I always stay in that spot. Right. So what happens when you break out of that comfort zone? Break out of it. And the best case scenario, I, I get to see like the benefits of being in a top position where I'm not getting smashed. Or... What happens is you get out of your comfort zone. Let's say you sweep them. Let's say you get to top mount and then they throw you off and then they get on top of you in a position that you cannot defend yourself in. 
because you were vulnerable to it because you mounted. Right. And then now that's a self-defeating cyclic behavior because now you think if I get to mount, they're going to get on top. I'm not going to be in a position. I want to be in the bottom to defend. Therefore, I will then lose more often and it's not worth sweeping, getting to the top, getting to mount. Glad you said that. So Amanda, you see Corolla just told you and me that we're doing the right thing. We should stay, stay <laughs> down and bottom and don't leave. No, no. My point is you have to branch out of that. Right, you have to. The reason why you became good in the bottom was because you had no choice but to be there. And in the beginning, you probably tapped a lot, you probably were submitted and smashed all the time. And you made strength out of a weakness. You hardened yourself, you learned the better angles, better timing, proper framing, proper techniques, chaining attacks. Even as a purple ball, I'd expect her to be chaining attacks, and she became more successful. That's wonderful. That's what it should be. That's the area that I want everybody to be good at. If all my students have to choose between being good at a dominant position or good when they're in an inferior position, I'd much rather them be good in an inferior position because it means that no harm is coming to them, right? Um, now, with that said, she will have to, she should, not will have to, I'm not going to tell her what to do, but she should for, focus and force herself out of her comfort zone even if it means to more failures, even if it means a complete failure where like she's getting submitted because she's trying to better her position. Because in doing so, just like she bettered herself and made strength out of a weakness before, she will learn to make strength out of a different weakness, which may be top control, maybe submissions from the top, chaining attacks from the top. Eventually, she will also become good on top. And then she will be that person that can be fluid everywhere and that's that's the ultimate goal i didn't start going to the top until i was almost a brown belt i focused the vast majority of my game all the way up to almost the end of my purple belt on the bottom because i was so hyper efficient there you felt safer there did you also just find that you you became so dangerous you just didn't have to yeah. do anything yeah on top? i was hyper efficient it didn't get me tired People wanted to get on top of me, right? They wanted to be on, on the dominant position, which meant me getting to my better position was easier. I didn't have to fight for it, right? If we both want to get on top, there's going to be a fight. If you want to get on top and I want to get to the bottom, it's an easy, easy one for me, right? And then not only was I more energy efficient and I could get there right away, I was the surprisingly big guy who enjoyed played from the bottom playing from the bottom and and then that was unexpected most big guys if they get to the bottom they're a turtle they just kind of lay there they can't move mm -hmm. where i became very mobile and 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 i was surprising i catch a lot of people off guard you know where if they fought a guy my size if they got on top they felt like the match was over i was mobile so like i said i made a strength out of a weakness and and like you said i became so dangerous i started relying in fact, a lot of the matches all up to the end of my pro ball career, I thought if I could get somebody to my guard, um, I'm going to win. I'm likely to win, you know. Um, and then my instructor told me once, he, I asked him how my jiu-jitsu was, and I told him to be honest. And, and he said, you know, uh, your jiu-jitsu is like jeans. I'm like, okay. And he said, you know, do you know, like, uh, you know the jeans you wear around the house and you can go out with your friends and you can do some work in, you know, they're relaxed, they fit well, it works for you. And like, yeah, he goes, now you know the jeans that you wear on a date, the ones that are tight, that show off your ass. Like, that's what <laughs> you want. You want you just to be like that. Right. He goes, you got the relaxed jeans. 
the point being, I had to learn to get out of my comfort zone, learn to get on top, to be tight, to create control, to create opportunity for attacking. And I, I struggled with it at first. I really did. And, and over time, I became more successful and more successful. And now, you know, now I'm that big guy that can get on top and can be very effective. And if I go to my back, I can also be very effective there. So now you're that big guy who wears those tight jeans and shows his ass off. Is yes. what you're saying? Yeah, around the house all the time. Hey, you have not seen <laughs> tight jeans until you've seen Croiler on a Saturday night. Actually, I hate jeans. I, I very rarely wear them, but that's not the point. <laughs> when you were competing, did you find that? Large, I guess not competing, but just rolling. Did you find large guys their top game? Was it? better or worse than experienced small or smaller people because if you're a large guy who's going against large guys when those large guys are on their back then you're not seeing a whole lot generally speaking big guys suck exact in general you're saying on their back just in general period same way that women generally speaking women are better technicians than men are and so I like how you stay quiet on that. <laughs> when you said the same way women, I'm like, oh, God, is this going to get really sexist? No, no. no. Uh, women, women, technically speaking, if you look at high level, I'm not talking about the, the average. On right. average, guys will be better because there's more guys. There's a bigger pool to choose from. But when you look at the pinnacle, generally speaking, not always true, but generally speaking, right. women will have better technique than the men. And would you attribute that to them rolling with men and women and just having to constantly rely on, you're not going to rely on your strength. It's relying, they have less, I'm not going to say less athleticism, but um, comparatively to, to men. So you look at a, like a, look at a Bushesha, like a 280 pound, like athletic freak, Right. If his technique is not 100% clean, he's got 200 pounds of a freak athleticism to make it clean, right? He can probably bend a crowbar in half and make it work. If he doesn't have that technique to get him past that finish line, there's a, there's a huge like Mack truck that's just going to yeah, shove yeah, him. He's right going to make it happen, yeah. right? Where if if we take um, you know the the um, our emailer, like she's a purple belt, she's 120 pounds. She doesn't have nearly the experience as Bushesha does. She's absolutely 100% does not have near the athleticism as he does because very few people on the planet do. If a technique is not working for her, she can't just go, all right, I guess I'll take a deep breath and just push my way into this. (laughs) She's going to have to fix it. It's going to have to be prettier. Her timing will have to be better. Why were, um, like, have you heard of uh, Lachlan Giles? I've heard of him. So I think we talked about him on the ADCC episode. Okay. You know, so uh, Lachlan Giles, up until ADCC, hadn't really achieved a big win anywhere. You know, his claim to fame prior to ADCC was being um, Craig Jones' coach, like his original coach. I don't know if he's still his coach, and I'm assuming he is. I'm not sure. Lachlan Giles is a small guy. I think he's 175, 180 pounds, maybe. And he went to ADCC, got destroyed in his weight class, signs up for the absolute. And I think he came in as like a backup or something. I don't remember. He, he basically made, you know, found a way into the absolute. 
first two guys he gets are huge. They're all 250 plus. He submitted both of them. Why? Because those big guys are used to just forcing their way through. And they found a guy in Lachlan Gauss who, who had very good technique, who was planning to fight a big guy, who set them up, took advantage of their you know assumption that they were just going to be able to kind of smash him. And his better technique was better enough and surprisingly enough that even with their, all their athleticism, they couldn't make it work. Now, had those two guys fought each other, it'd have been a little different, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I think people that are, are not as athletic and gifted as others, if they stick to jujitsu long term, I'm not talking about two years, I'm talking 15 years, they tend to be, as far as technically speaking, superior to those that are athletically gifted earlier on. Okay. Now, when we look at Amanda's email and she talks about she mentioned should she try should she focus on trying to get on the top more would it be more realistic to continue and focus on her bottom slash guard attack should her goal be simply just to get to top no to correct or to take her out of her comfort zone her, her goal should be to always improve her position regardless of where she's at so let's say she likes guard and she sweeps her train partner and she gets in top half guard side mount. That's wonderful. It'd be better if she mounted better if she went knee and belly then mount. Better if she went knee and belly mount back. You know, ideally she's always improving her position through a series of controls and then setting up an opportunity to strike a submission. Um, Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you find a submission earlier or you find a better position that you can submit from or whatever the case may be. But I think to simply say she should get on top, I don't think that's accurate enough. I think it should always be, she should be pushing herself out of her comfort zone into positions that are going to benefit her, like constantly benefit her game all the time. She mentions also that when she's on top, she just feels like a piece of paper blowing around. So, yeah. and, I, and I know how that feels where I'm sure you, you've felt that in your younger days where you're on top of someone. They just shove you off. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're yeah. on there and you think, yes, I got to top. Now I'm going to, and they push you off and like yeah. you get back to top. Like, okay, cool. I think what I'm going to go for, and they throw you off. It's a, it's a it's a pain in the ass. It's a lot of work for nothing. Yeah. So what what do you do when you feel just like that plastic empty plastic bag? Well, but that, going in the, the wind. The reason why she feels that way is because she doesn't have any experience there, you know, or she doesn't know the proper technique, or she has not been taught the right way to maintain there. A great example of a guy who was incredibly heavy, despite being very small, was Hoyler Hoyler Gracie. He was a top guy. I mean, he got on top of people. They couldn't move him. Another example, I've never grappled with Bruno Malfacine. I would love to, to, to train with him at some point, you know. Uh, Malfacine is your size. He would be hell on wheels regardless of where he's at. He may prefer the bottom because he's more comfortable there. But I'm sure if he got on top, he'd be very tough to deal with too. And I think the only way you get good at those positions that you're not comfortable in is by being in them learning, hey, if I put my hand here, I'm getting rolled, so maybe I shouldn't put my hand there. If my weight's over here, they can push me this way, so I shouldn't put my weight there. Or if I get on top and I'm losing my balance, much like you do, you just 
transfer off to a different position. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're very good at hovering and floating from position to position. You're not a guy who gets on top and holds people down, which is fine. But when anytime people try to escape or they try to push you off or use their, their strength against you, you're very good at just hovering into another better position. And, and the only way you got good at that is by being there, mm-hmm. you know, and I think she needs to push past that. Would you say for most small people, the best thing when you are on top is to hover and go from position to position or can, is it, can some people just stay and be heavy? On oh, some? absolutely. You can stay and be heavy. It is easier to flow, mm-hmm. um, but you can absolutely stay heavy. I'm not talking about heavy as in weight. I'm talking like pressure heavy, you know, uh, there, there's, there's three ways to increase pressure. You, uh, you increase the amount of force you're applying on a surface area, you, or you maintain the force the same, but you decrease the surface area in which has been applied, or you do both. You increase force and you decrease surface pressure, surface area, and the pressure goes through the roof because it's pounds per square inch. So that'd be like a neon belly right. type thing. Right. So my knee is much larger than yours. I am much bigger than you. My pressure gets dispersed over a larger surface area. You're smaller than me, but so is your knee, which means that your pressure gets dispersed in a much smaller area. So proportionally mm-hmm. speaking, we could deliver nearly the same PSI. What about in a position where it's a tap mount or you're, you have tap mount and you're trying to be heavy on someone and have created a lot of pressure? Because that, how do you pinpoint and focus that pressure in that situation with with practice yeah it it is true that there's going to be positions that are more prevalent to certain body types right uh it's much easier for um for me being six three to triangle somebody than let's say jennifer at our gym who's you know maybe five foot one absolutely that is true Mm -hmm. it is going to be easier for somebody who has a very strong hips to be able to stay on top and put good pressure it is much easier for somebody like you who is very, um, very agile to move well on the bottom than somebody who's not so agile. Yes, that is 100% true. But the key, the, the thing to put in mind is we don't have to excel in every area, you know, identically as somebody else that could. So let's say we get a guy like Claude who's got very long legs who moves very well from the bottom, right? And then we get somebody who doesn't move as well or doesn't have the same body type. That person doesn't have to be <clears throat> doesn't have to be as proficient and as powerful in the same positions as Claude. He has to have the same amount of knowledge and the ability to do damage from there. Take somebody who's bigger, who will always be heavier on top. You don't have to deliver the same amount of pressure as they do. You just have to deliver enough pressure to be effective from that position, right? It's it's crazy to think that you're going to be, you're going to have as much ability as the best guy in any given position. You know, even even the best guys in the world don't excel at every position. So for Amanda, as she's on top trying to trying to find a way to be comfortable when someone's not in her guard, do you say? Like you said earlier, my thing I'm most comfortable doing is just kind of more of a fluid top position where and it's, you, you it's go a form of control. We talked about it. it's 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 movement. It's control through movement. 
that wouldn't be for everyone. So Amanda, that would maybe work for, or maybe you just find, how do you, how do you get, if you are on top, a spot where you're not as, when I, when I get on Mount, a lot of times, once you start, when you're, when you're just not going for a submission, it's not too hard to stay there. Right. Once you start to go for things, that's when you become vulnerable and when someone can bump you from side to side. That's always been like the biggest, um, the biggest dilemma in jiu-jitsu, right? There's only so much of you in any given position. And if you're using your body efficiently, you're using your body to control the opponent, to maintain them there, to keep them in that position so that hopefully you can find an opening to attack. But again, there's only so much of you. You only have two arms, you only have two legs. If they're busy controlling the guy, how can you submit them? You're going to have to forego some of those things to in order to secure a submission. So what you're asking me is, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. And that is very position dependent. And the best answer for it is understanding how to make the opponent mechanically inefficient, even if it means sacrificing certain points of control. I mean, I know it's not very clear and there's no examples to draw from, but it's it's conceptual at this stage. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. Well, the takeaway, I would say, is just go out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, that's something that I have to tell myself to be OK with going out of your comfort zone and, and submit be, people and, and submitting <laughs> people and just being OK with going out of that comfort zone and knowing that I'll get submitted too. like it, I have to put myself in those spots, and then also use a lot more energy um, to try to forge my way to a lesson in that putting of myself in a bad position. Yeah, and, and the energy, though, that you're wasting is only going to be that way until you get good at it. Right. Then you're efficient, and it won't matter. Right. Well, Amanda, thank you for the email, and good luck to you in learning how to go out of your comfort zone. If you have any other questions, email us we're going to transition now to a very new segment all right so this is the first segment we're doing this is the 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 maiden voyage of the video critique that we talked about i think two episodes ago we said hey send in videos of yourself competing rolling and croiler and i will watch it and critique it and just be ready for for harsh critiques from Croiler. We may change the format of this. We may, maybe we'll incorporate video with us. I, I don't know. The first thing we're gonna do for this one is just you're gonna share this video, right? I'm gonna share this video. You'll see it on our Facebook, on our Instagram, and you can watch alongside as far as timing stamps go. Yeah. When we make a comment, we'll tell you where time-wise this is so the first video well well, before we start before we even say who's competing all that um just be warned i am i'm super harsh even with my students so (laughs) you've been warned so yeah if you send this and you're thinking to yourself even if they win i'm harsh it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah if you send this with the hopes that (coughs) jesus christ that croiler will praise you and say you're the next like the this next coming of Christ, That's not you're good. in for a world of hurt. I've seen this video. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one that we're going to be watching is from, or if if you're trying to find it, go to YouTube, 
That's YouTube.com. Oh my god! Uh, it's it's a it's an up and coming video streaming website, and the title of the video is November sixteenth, twenty nineteen. Grappling X Yuma Matt Two Match Forty Three, and the channel that it's on is. Let's see here. It's under Grappling X. Grappling X, which I think is a competition, actually. Yes, and the total length of the video is... 640. 640. All right, so we're going to start this off here, and we're going to see... Thank you for sending your video in. We will... Uh, for, for the listeners, the guy that sent the video in, I don't... He changed his name on Facebook. It, there's actually a name there. Now it's a different name, and I'm not going to go by, uh, <laughs> by that name. So he's the guy with the cornrows. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the guy with the cornrows, right? Okay, so freeze right here. 0.04 seconds in. So they slap him fists, he grabs a collar, and then he immediately foregoes a collar and gives up a, an underhook. And then he tries to, I don't know if he was trying to pull guard or if the guy fell on him or if he slipped, but it was a very ungraceful butt sit, which is not desirable. And do, do you think he was trying to sweep him over his head, almost like if he was going for like a butterfly? I, I, you know, I've, I've, I watched this a couple of times at home before we did this, and I could see him trying a couple of different things. I could see it being him not being ready for somebody walking into him, and before he could like get his position or his foot back in place, so he have a good base. He just got pushed over and fell. I could see him trying for like a like a Tomoina gay style where you're trying to throw overhead. I, I don't know. I think this was a combination of um, uncertainty and surprise. Mm -hmm. Surprise that the guy pushed forward. Uncertainty is exactly how to do everything. And then and then he he fell. Um, as soon as I think he fell off the off when it looked like he felt he realized he was off balance. It looked like he was trying to pull guard. Okay. Now. He he does pull guard here. Um, he manages to avoid half, which is good. Um, the guy on top, I don't know who he was, but this guy on top kind of annoys me. Um, but anyways, we'll, we'll go on. So here at zero, zero 0.12 seconds, he does something good. He gets guard back, a full close guard. He has a cross-collar grip. It's a little shallow for me. I would have gone a little deeper. He does have a cross-collar grip and a same-side wrist uh, sleeve grip, which is good for setting up attacks. And it looks like he's comfortable here, which is, which is, which is good. He's pulling forward all the time. Now, um, shortly after that, he tried setting up um, a like an elevator sweep, like a um, super fundamental. Um, he did not uh, hip away enough, not hip escape enough, and it failed. He quickly recovered. He went back to close guard, which this is something he does throughout the video is he does really do a good job of getting guard back against this other guy. Um, but it's usually due to um, failed attempts, you know. So he gets an overhook here, which is good. Now the cross collar grip, he's not using it the right way. It's almost like he's trying to push the guy away from him instead of down. You see the elbows pointed up. Um, and this is like really common for you to try to push from the bottom. You can't really push from the bottom. You can lift and you can twist, but pushing is tough because if you push them, it pushes you down. Okay. So you push almost parallel to the ground, are you saying? Well, so if, if you think of a bench press, right? Mm -hmm. When you push, push the the bar up 
the bar also pushes you down and it pins you to the mat. So it's very common in beginners to when they get on the bottom and, and they, they push, they push the opponent away, which in turn pins them to the mat. So in close guard, it doesn't feel like you're being pinned because your hips can move. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, your shoulders are pinned. If you push your opponent up, you have to get at an angle. You have to push them at least 45 degrees off of you. Okay. That way you can move. So again, he's kind of fighting for the cross collar grip, which I admire that. Um, he does give it up a little bit. He does good head control. Are we at 54 seconds? Is that what it said? Yeah, 57 seconds now, yeah. So he's got it. So like right here, freeze. So at roughly about a minute, he gets a uh, he he regrips his cross collar grip, but at this stage the gi is really loose, right? So he tried the the elevator sweep again. You can see his right leg is underneath his knee. He opened up momentarily trying to lift him, and then he pushed the he pushed the guy's gi with his fist. The problem with pushing his gi with his fist is that you're whiffing. You're just pushing clothing around. Mm. Like there's nothing behind it. Um, and then when that failed, the guy tried jumping over. You can see the guy's right leg coming up. And that's when he, he gives up on it. He pulls the guy across and he closes his guard at a roughly one one minute and two seconds in. Look, he keeps pushing the, the gi here right shortly after a minute. There's no point pushing the gi. Right. Now he's trying, he's to, trying pull, to push the arm across now, which is good. I'll, I'll give him that if he can get it across. And he almost gets it. Now, this moment here, this moment angered me a little bit. At one, what is that, 18? 118, yeah. So he he gets, uh, you didn't think I was going to pause as many times, did you? I wasn't sure. I, I was curious <laughs> to see how much of a, how, how into the commentary and analyzation you got. Oh, I, I this is how I watch the matches when I, when I talk about watching the Worlds and ADCC. This Perfect. Is, this is it. Yeah, it's super annoying. But anyways, at 118, he, he tried going for an armbar didn't work right the guy the guy was in the wrong position and almost like the guy he was fighting who's another white belt almost like he slipped a little bit not quite sure where he was going he just didn't want to go he didn't know that he didn't want to go to his belly but he also didn't go to the bottom so you get caught in this weird position now cornrow guy um has seen at some point a normal plata and i know that because he moved his legs the right way however He's only seen an Omoplata. He has not learned one yet because this is an offense to Omoplatas. And, 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 and you're a white belt, so you get a pass. Um, if you're one of my blue belts, like we would be talking at the gym. So uh, the problem here with the with the failed armbar is that when he tossed his legs over the guy's shoulder, he tossed his legs in the Omoplata uh, structure, which means for him to be efficient, he needs to have the opponent's fist at his left pocket. Instead, they're by his right knee pointing mm-hmm. forward. So there's no omoplata here because there's no threat to the shoulder. And it also means that because of the leg position, the omoplata leg position, he is also flat, which means he can't hit bend for, to finish an armbar. So he's like halfway between an omoplata and halfway between an armbar. The guy on the bottom knows even less. The, the guy that's being attacked knows even less because he wasn't quite sure what to do from here either. He kind of just sits there for a second. Mm-hmm. And he gets out of that quickly. Yeah. And then again, he did a good job here at, at 125, getting guard back. I, I give him credit for that. That was good. Um, it was better than I would have expected for a white belt to react at that point. Mm-hmm. Usually most white belts cling on to submission, even if it fails. He, he moved on and closed guard. So I'll, I'll give him credit there. 
So they stand back up. They go to the center of the mat. And they're trying to restart. He doesn't quite have a close guard. He's going to get it back. There we go. And now he does it. He, he, it's almost like he had a plan. And I give him credit for having a plan because he keeps looking for that cross collar grip, that sleeve, same side sleeve. And I think he's trying to do either scissor or, or like a elevator sweep here. Um, so he hooks the leg. So freeze. So again, this is kind of the issue. When, At 211. 211, yeah. When you have like uh, not enough experience. Um, and you're trying your best, and I get that. But you've you you at this stage in your career, um, and this happens to all white belts. So it's not just you, corner row guy, but every white belt's this way. They will see a move, maybe it's been done to them. They find themselves in a similar position, and they try to replicate that movement without understanding how it works or how it's done. So the guy stood up. He went for he underhooked his leg with his left arm. And he was basically trying to like a windmill sweep to the opposite direction, but he never let go of the cross collar grip, which means that even if he managed to sweep him, the opponent would have posted with his left hand. Here the opponent, afraid of being swept, the opponent probably has been swept that way by upper belts before, dropped to his knees to avoid the sweep, which basically he reacted to technique that wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. But for the guy in the bottom, it worked because it got him, his opponent back down to the guard. Armbar. So this armbar attempt here, freeze. This was beautiful. For a white belt, this was amazing. At, let's see here. He actually does it twice in this match that were pretty good for, for a white belt. So, at 212. So he swung his hips really well here. It was very, very, very good hip movement. He clears the head. The opponent tries to stack as a horrible stack. Um, and he almost gets it. The problem here is he went belly down. He goes belly down, I believe. Right. Right. Actually, no. So right here. So he tried falling. The guy fell. He tried falling to a regular um, arm bar. He missed the head. The opponent comes up. And then he tries like a, almost like an arm bar and then he bellies down. Mm -hmm. That was the problem there. So when he bellied down, he did something I really liked, even though it wasn't the best answer. It was a better answer than most would have done. So at 222, the opponent manages to clear his head and is free of the arm bar. Most people here would have turtled. Yep. He did not. I 100% appreciate this. this is probably the best thing that happened in this match is he did not turtle. He, <laughs> he turned back and faced the opponent. You can't fight somebody that you can't see. So he ends up inside mount. He looked very comfortable inside mount after this. He wasn't quite sure how to follow it up. So he just ended up inside. He's got a good frame, upper body frame with his right hand. His left hand could frame a little better. He's framing the leg instead of the hips, but that's okay. He moves his hips back, which is good. Most people only move in. He moved away. Um, he does it again here. Like I said, now he's framing the hips at roughly 243. He starts framing the hips. Um, he still keeps the right hand framing a collarbone. This is all very good defensive stuff. Um, he starts to move away here because the opponent keeps putting forward pressure. So eventually here he'll adjust and move himself away to get his, his hips away from the opponent so he can move in. Now, at 
310, this is when I start hating the guy that he's fighting. <laughs> he is literally doing glorified wrestling. He doesn't want to fight. He just doesn't want to lose, which is a horrible reason to compete. If you're compete, you should try to win, not try not to lose. He's just stalling. Like, there's, there's no real technique here. He's just not moving. He's just on top trying to, to smother just, and stay just, safe. To just, yeah, to just not lose that position. And, and I, don't, I don't like that. That, that. that would be a problem for me. It'd be annoying to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he gets, almost gets swept. He recovers half here, which is good. He manages to get close guard again. Again, this, like his guard recovery for a white belt is, is very good. Kudos to him. He's going to armbar him here again. I would like to see at 340, I'd like to see his guard a little bit higher, maybe mid back to upper back, mm-hmm. especially because he threatens armbars well. Um, he keeps his, his guard really low around the opponent's hip since it's too low for for any any significant attack. And that just helps him control the guy so when he wants to set up that armbar, it's close. Like, see how much how far he's like at the travel at four, four minutes in? Mm-hmm. And then it came off all crooked because he's trying to hurry, so he never got the hips out. You know, If he had kept his guard up a little higher, it would have been a little bit prettier, I think. Yeah. Again, look, the cross-collar grip, he's pushing again. He needs to be pulling, not pushing with that cross-collar grip. The point of a cross-collar grip is to maintain control, not to create movement. He opens his guard here. I don't get that. Armbar. Again, 430. Pretty armbar setup. He misses the head a little bit here, but for a white belt, it's pretty good armbar from, from guard. And then he bellies down. He needs to stop bellying down. And why do you think he keeps going to that? So there is some truth to when you belly down on an armbar, you can deliver extreme amounts of pressure to it. The problem with the belly down armbar is very low percentage. And if it fails, like in this case twice now, you cannot recover well. If you end up going to a belly down armbar, you're always better rotating so that your hips point towards the opponent's legs. Because if it fails, you can immediately get up and start moving. If you don't do that and you just keep your belly pointing to the mat, if it fails, you got nothing. Yeah. You know, it's a problem. It's hard to follow up. The opponent does the same thing he did earlier. He gets guard here. He almost tried it. He tried for a triangle. He didn't quite get it. The guy's holding his leg. He doesn't know quite how to pass. Triangle he missed. Again, not no, not turtling. I give him huge credit for that. Almost better than his arm bars is that he's not, not turtling. God, you hate turtling. I do. Again, he, he does a good job here with left hand of framing the head. The guy doesn't want to move. He just wants to hold and not lose the position, which is which is annoying. You know, if you want to wrestle, just go wrestle, you know. Well, it seems like it's just something people do when they, they just don't don't have much knowledge or experience. And I don't know where man. to go from I see there. black belts doing it all the time. You get a, get a couple of points, you just hold on for that win, you know. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. To me, it's just about submitting, and, and when you don't, that's a problem. And then the fight ends. He loses, I think, uh, 6 nothing, two guard passes, or maybe 3 nothing. I wasn't sure how the ref scored that. But um, pros, he did a really great job getting his guard back. Very good guard recovery for a white belt. Very good arm bar. Arm, bar, arm bars from, for, for a white belt, two from guard. He did two great arm bars from guard. Downsides, a little bit insecure on how to follow up and continue or when he has something um, a little bit um, a little bit unsure 
um, what to do with a cross collar grip. Mm. Knows he's supposed to grab, knows he's supposed to use it for something, but not really using it to its fullest potential. But that's lack of experience. He's a white belt. Um, he gets a pass. Um, overall, I said for a white belt, I'm not super mad at it. Yeah. But yeah. you're not going to get a lot of praise from me either, though. That right there was the most praise. That's more praise than I expected. Yeah, I mean, he is just a white belt. I know, but that that was basically, if I could translate that for uh, you who sent this video in, that was Corey saying, I'm proud of you. I, I love you. I, I didn't I didn't say that. And I can't wait to see what your future has in store. I love you again. You know, usually I have a, like, I need like a, I don't usually need a hate translator, but I definitely didn't need a uh, a uh, praise translator. Well, okay, well, maybe, maybe from now on, I'll be your praise, tra- I'll translate your praise, which will instill hate in you, and then you can have a separate anger translator, hate translator to translate that to me. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for sending your video in, and well done on your uh, your commentary. I enjoyed that. Thanks. I think we, uh, think we should do that more if we can incorporate it into uh, a video to video where yeah. people are watching us watch the video because I mean this is a pretty uh, this is all audio this medium so you people who are just driving and listening to this won't have the benefit of yeah, looking it up too, but you should um, maybe cut out this portion and make it a separate file I mean keep this in the podcast but also make the separate file and then when you post this post the commentary underneath it it's not a bad idea just food for thought. It's yeah. not me doing the editing, so I'm shutting off. Right. That is, so. <laughs> I'll have to figure that out. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, this is our, not our first episode of the new year, second episode of the new year, first one that we've yeah. recorded uh, over the new year. Right. So uh, we look forward to a strong and prosperous 2020. And remember, February 1st, the opening for Croyler Gracie Jiu Jitsu in Elkhart, Indiana. Travel out. Reimbursements will be applied once you get there. I don't know about reimbursements, but you guys are all welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Maybe you won't be reimbursed. I'm sorry. But yeah, come out and you'll at the very least meet some cool people and uh, learn a thing or two. All right. Goodbye, everyone.